It's time for JT the Brick. The summer of Cliff. Cliff Ranch, all summer long. Prepare your phone call. I want Cliff content from you. I stopped into a Walmart. I had no idea he was there. We talked a bit about some old Raider stuff. He was super. We went back and forth. I think every current wide receiver in it, not only NFL, but every current wide receiver, period, needs to be at that induction thing for Cliff. JT the Brick. I want to know when you met Cliff, what your favorite play was with him. So we had a blast. We hung out in there. We got pictures of the boys with the ring. Talked to him a little bit. Cliff Ranch was a a standout player. The way he ran his routes, his hands, his speed was unbelievable. The plays that I recall with Branch was him going down the left sideline, getting behind the DB, and his left hand going up, give me the ball, give me the ball. As we count down to Cliff, the summer of Cliff on the flagship. And now, here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT, thanks for joining us on Friday. The summer of Cliff Branch continues here. It's actually our last Friday in July and our last Friday of the summer of Cliff before he's inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So he'll be inducted a uh, tom- uh, uh, week from tomorrow. week from tomorrow, Cliff gets inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We have Raider royalty today. Tom Flores, supposed to join us at the bottom of the hour. Spoke to Coach yesterday, and I'm excited for him to come in today. Big week for us as we had George Atkinson, Jim Plunkett, Tom Flores. That's huge. Monday, Fred Bolitnikoff. And then we're wrapping it up on Tuesday, the Raymond Chester or Matt Millen. One of his other teammates, they all want to come on. They've been so gracious with their time to talk about Cliff, and so have you. So what I'd like to do today, because my second hour is pretty busy, i got a couple of interviews lined up or pending. This first hour before and after coach, I'd like your travel plans for Canton. If you're going to Canton, today's, I want, today's the day I want to hear from you. So we got enough listeners who are listening all over the globe on Raider Nation Radio because we stream on the Raiders app. I want to know who's going today. If we can, I want an idea. If you're going, what you're doing, when you're getting in, you got your cliff gear, what you're going to wear, all of it, and uh, how excited you're going to be. So it's kind of a loose show today because it's Friday. It's still a July Friday, but I think we got some good content lined up for you here, and I'd love to hear from you as we open it up. 702-365-9200. What I do normally in the morning when I start prepping for shows is I'm prepping because I'm on the radio till nine at night so nothing nothing typically happens overnight unless it's a tragedy or something just awful happens or something at the crack of dawn in the morning especially on the east coast so i get up every day and i look for raiders content and football content and just sports content in general it's really what you got to do in this job every day and i got some good people that i work with including bobby that helped me go down that road and it's still all quiet on the raiders front And it's a really big theme for me since Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels have taken over this part of the team. As they're here, Sandra took over as president, and everything's really quiet. It's been a really good offseason. Last year, we all know what went down. During the season with Ruggs, uh, Damon Arnett, remember all the issues that went down last year, and the Raiders still made the playoffs. Turned out a lot of that wasn't as big of the distractions as we knew. And we thought of John Gruden resigning when the team was looking good. Rich Passaccia had taken over. You know, I, I interviewed Rich Passaccia every week for TV, and he was fantastic. And then at the end, I could tell things were ramping up a bit with him because he knew they had to run the table and win those four in a row if they had any chance for the playoffs, and he delivered. And then the playoff game was just it was heartbreaking the way the Raiders lost that game. And then the offseason started after the Bengals lost, and it's been a damn long offseason. 
But the excitement in the organization and the building on a lot of different moves and hires, and especially on the coaches' side. So I like this because I think it's good to have uh, new, fresh people looking at this team. And as I told you, right out of the gate, that Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels were going to look at this roster. It's not their roster. They were going to have to build it on their own, and they have. They brought in some Patriot players. They brought in some Patriot coaches. They brought in new coaches. And then the players who were left were really fascinating to me. That's really what fascinates me the most in the month of July is the evaluation that Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler are making for the players who aren't theirs, the ones they didn't draft, the ones they didn't pay initially. Clee Farrell is a good example there. Jonathan Abram, right? Max Crosby wasn't their guy, and they extended him. Derek Carr got an extension. They went out and extended Hunter Renfro. So it's really cool to me to watch who's cool and who's going to be close to the new teacher, which is Josh McDaniel, and then who's going to be at a distance? Who's on the outside looking in trying to impress the coach and GM? And you know, today I went through Vic Tafer, and he writes great content for The Athletic, Paul Gutierrez for ESPN, and Vinny Bonsignor. Uh, those are the three amigos I look at the most because they work in the beat, and there's a lot of other people working the beat who are very good. But these are the guys I know the longest, Ed Graney, and I want to look at what the content, what are they seeing? Is there a practice and they're doing all this? And it seems to be quiet about buttoning up this team to follow the new regime with their practice habits. So last year when we were out there, John Gruden's a yeller. He's a screamer. He's got a list of plays. He's in it with Carr. It's kind of the same thing I'm seeing this year. Josh McDaniels raises his voice here and there. He's working with Carr. But they're evaluating players more so than the players who were here last year that were drafted by Mike Mayock, approved by John Gruden, or maybe Gruden drafted him, and Mike Mayock had to agree to it. We're never going to know that in full. But it's different here with Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels. They are brothers. They are tied together with everything. And year one, they're going to go with their gut. They're going to go with the best 11 players on both sides. I truly believe that, and that's going to be part of the theme of the show today is it seems like this is a real genuine open competition. We've talked throughout this offseason about what position battles are available. I don't really get into that topic until after the second preseason game. When we're getting ready for the third preseason game, we're getting ready for cuts. Then it becomes evident to everybody who's playing well in the preseason, who's going to try to make the team. Are they going to make the team as a fifth wide receiver? Are they going to make the team to play special teams? Are they going to be a hybrid player that can play linebacker or move to the defensive line and edge rush? That's really what I care about. But this year, there's a bigger priority because of the offensive line. And Vic did a deep dive with Parnham, who comes in here, and he's getting a lot of reps at center as a backup and as guard as a backup, and maybe he could start as a guard. And if he's able to start as a guard, they're going to put in a kid who has no experience at all, zero in the NFL, and that's going to be tough. We saw a guy with a lot more experience than Dylan Parham, and that was Alex Leatherwood, and he struggled. You can't name me a player on offense in college football that had more experience than Alex Leatherwood. You can't. Leatherwood played in all the games. He's like an Iron Man. He won the Outland Trophy National Championship, and he played all of those extra games for Alabama in the playoffs. So if you look at the entire body of work of Alex Leatherwood, it was enormous before he got to the Raiders. 
then there's there's a gap between him being dominant in college and being dominant in the pros. We saw the same thing with Colt Miller as he came out of UCLA. And I remember when he was drafted, I had two conversations. One was with Matt Stevens, who's the voice of UCLA football. He's a former quarterback. He's their analyst. And he was like, yeah, good kid, hard worker. He goes, I don't know how he's going to perform, but the guy's going to die trying. He's going to be unbelievable effort, classroom, and all that. And then John Gruden told me in a private event once, he goes, look, if I didn't get him, if I didn't get him when I got him, I had nothing. Which he meant, yeah, Rodney Hudson, there were other players, and Gabe Jackson before they left. But the Raiders really needed Colt Miller at that point. And many people, I would say 90% of NFL insiders thought the Raiders reached on Colt Miller. You would agree, right? You remember the coverage. Who? Who's Colt Miller? Who is this guy? How could they take him here? Here's the key. He would have been available a little bit later down the road, and we'll never know. A team could have took him right after that or around later. Same type of discussion we're having with Leatherwood. Leatherwood was a much better and bigger name, much bigger than Colt Miller because he played at Alabama for Nick Saban, and he played in bigger games against better competition, and he won the award that matters most with that position, the Outland Trophy. So Colt Miller struggled a little bit. But you could see that Colton could play. And you could just see his demeanor around the team, that he was a quiet guy and a leader. Well, I'm describing Alex Leatherwood. Aren't I explaining identically what Leatherwood is to Colton Miller? Same thing. The only difference is Leatherwood struggled more than Miller later in his rookie year. And Colton got banged up a bit, and he came off, and he didn't want to be in the training room. And Leatherwood is a really aggressive player of showing up and playing in all these games. So as I look to all the media here, everybody's on edge about the offensive line. Everybody wants to know what's happening. Tom Brady needs a new center. Tom Brady's going to go about getting his new center differently than Dave Ziegler's going to go about getting depth on the offensive line. All Brady has to do is pick up the phone and call anybody who's retired, who's really good on the O-line at center, or on another team, if they, if they get cut or they can move and make a trade because it's Brady. The Raiders have to decide what they're doing with the cap, Darren Waller's contract, what's going to happen if they see someone, they have a little bit of le- leftover money to go get an offensive lineman. I think they will. But it's really different as I'm looking at all this offensive line talk as Brady loses his center. Well, the Raiders haven't lost anybody really just yet other than an abrupt retirement. And when that happens, that's okay. Because this is a long-term approach here. Most of the Raider fans that I talk to want to win more than 10 games. So do I. Makes my job a lot easier when I talk to a lot of lunatics on the post-game show who I all love, and they're coming in nine deep, lined up after card talks, and I'm the last guy standing at the Modelo Cantina, man, with the headset on going, what are we doing? Fortunately, the last couple of years, there were a lot of big emotional walk-off victories at Allegiant which made the post-game show for me a lot easier and more entertaining. So this year, I don't know what's going to happen with the schedule. I know it's much tougher than last year. Not tougher, much tougher. I know that the Raiders are better on paper. I've gone position by position. There's no debate. The Raiders have a better roster than they did last year because of Chandler Jones and Devontae Adams. No one will argue that point. But the media can't see all that right now. 
The media is not at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. There's a few guys and gals who have showed up from outside Raiderland, but not many. Yet, yet they're coming, and no one knows the depth of this team. So today, Pro Football Focus had a pretty good article on one secret superstar for 32 NFL teams. So this is every team, and they pick one player from each team to be a potential superstar, and I think they nailed it. Las Vegas Raiders, cornerback Nate Hobbs. Hobbs finished his rookie year with a top 10 PFF grade among quarterbacks, grading well in both run defense and coverage. The Raiders' defensive scheme may have asked a little less of him than some other players, but he allowed only one touchdown all season and 8.5 yards per reception. Hobbs dramatically outperformed his fifth-round draft status and was one of the best rookies in the league last year. So that's who they pick, pro football focus. And remember, they grade every play. They grade every play. And when they come up with a grade, it's pretty obvious why they have the grade there. Because they want to be accountable, and they want to be legitimate. You can't give a guy a good grade because you like him, and you think he's good. No, they're breaking down every play. And Nate Hobbs is also a key to my discussion today. Nate Hobbs can start at cornerback right now. I don't think he will because the job is for Trayvon Mullen to lose. Trayvon Mullen's had some injuries, but as Vinny Bonsignor pointed out, he's played a lot of games, and he played a lot of big games at Clemson at the highest level of the best playoff competition. But now it's put up or shut up time for Trayvon. I'm going to assume he's going to be healthy, and I'm going to be assuming that he gets pushed by Nate Hobbs. There's no doubt in my mind that Nate Hobbs can start at cornerback opposite Rock Yassin. And then you can find with the depth of the Raiders at that cornerback room, you can find another slot corner. Now, ideally, Mullen comes back and plays at a very high level because he's really playing for his future and his next contract. You're not going to get another contract with Dave Ziegler if he's in the training room and he can't play and he doesn't play well. So the pressure on Mullen and Jonathan Abram is real. They seem both open to it. They're great guys. I mean, oh my God, Jonathan Abram, what he's doing in this community? Sometimes it sounds like I'm banging on him here. I'm just being Captain Obvious. Abram cannot make this team, make the team, or play on this team unless he proves in the next three weeks that he can cover a deep ball. He's in the AFC West. If he wasn't in the AFC West and he played in the, say, NFC North other than Rodgers, yeah, I think he could figure out a way to keep Jared Goff or Kirk Cousins in front of him. Here, oh my God, here, they're going to be a pump fake to the left by Herbert. He's going to spin his hips and someone's going down the middle of the field. And you got Trayvon Merrick, who is a young pup, a great center fielder. I call him my Bernie Williams. When Bernie Williams played with the Yankees and came up, no one knew who he was. Then he developed into one of the greats. He plays deep center field. And Jonathan Abram, if Trayvon Merrick's not position right, has got to turn his hips and get his ass downfield 15 yards and knock a ball down. That is critical to him as they are evaluating his talent. Leave Nate Hobbs on the field. Hobbs can do what I just mentioned. Hobbs can run with anybody. He can break up passes. He can catch the ball. He can play outside corner. He can play slot corner. So pro football focus got it. And when I read that today and I looked at all the other teams, I kept going back to what Hobbs can do. And I think that Hobbs at this point in his career gets it. 
I set him up with Willie Brown's daughter at the Super, uh, at the Super Bowl. Willie's daughter and they talked for about an hour in front of me. It looked like he got it. He got it because of his transgressions and the mistakes he was making. I don't know what he does in his personal life. I know what Max does because I became friends with Max and I seen his sobriety and him come back. And now the guy's amazing, man. I mean, the guy is just incredible to see the growth and maturity of Max Crosby and the money and what he's going to do with the money, money in the community. Nate Hobbs could be that guy. Nate Hobbs, I'm very excited about this year because I believe he can be an impact player. The Raiders need more impact players because of the history of this franchise. Yesterday, we talked to George Atkinson, the final survivor of the original Soul Patrol. He played next to Jack Tatum. Tatum can do it all. Skip Thomas was big, strong, and nasty. If you looked at everybody who played cornerback opposite of George over the years when I've asked him, Willie Brown was the greatest. Why was Willie great? He was physical. Back then, Willie had an advantage. He was bigger, stronger, faster, and he put his hands on people all the way down the field. That rule has now changed. Flags everywhere. Flags everywhere. Flags everywhere. I hope Derek throws the ball away deep a lot of time to, to Devontae, get some flags this year because he could. But Nate Hobbs is a really important factor to me today because when I look at my position battles, I don't have many. I don't. I don't know what's happening on the offensive line because I'm predicting they're going to bring in another starter. I could be wrong. I'm wrong often. But I think they're going to find a starter from another team, and then they're going to work Dylan Parham in. He's not, I don't think he's going to play center because Andre James has got that position locked up, and he's better than him, and he has NFL experience, and he trained under Rodney, so it could take some time. But Parham's ready to play guard. Right now, he can play guard in this league. He's big enough, strong enough. He's a mauler. He can do that. We talked about Lester Cotton and his growth and how he's been a, I wouldn't say surprise, but he's just one of those guys who can grind it out. And then Leatherwood. Leatherwood's going to be very important uh, playing over the next couple of weeks. The sad, not sad, the tough part about Leatherwood, Leatherwood's a guy has got to play a lot in the preseason, right, everybody? You gotta, the guy's got to play. But he's a guy you don't want to play a lot because you don't want him banged up. You need Leatherwood fresh for Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack. You need him ready. But how are you going to get him ready without any reps and real-time reps in the preseason? So that's going to be interesting to me there. So that's part of the monologue as we open up the show. I want some Clip Branch stories on a Friday, 702-365-9200. Their website reached out to me, and they appreciate all the interviews. The Raiders are putting up all these interviews in podcast form at Raiders.com so you can go back and listen. And Coach Flores coming up here in a little bit. Uh, I'm excited today. I debut a new podcast series. It'll be in the lobby of Virgin Hotels, Vegas, the former Hard Rock. They're going to have a stage set up in the lobby. I'm going to be talking to about three or four or five different newsmakers. It's not super heavy sports. In the coming months, it will be. Raiders are too busy at training camp to really get a player over there now or a coach. I'm hoping we will down the road. Marcus Arroyo, head coach of UNLV football. Michael Morton, the owner of One Stake. Michael Morton's story is incredible. His dad, Ari Morton who Hugh Hefner picked to run Morton Steakhouse and then built that into a multi-hundred million dollar company. Michael Morton owned The Drink. He owned Nine Steakhouse at the Palms. One of my good friends and one of the great philanthropists in this town. 
what he and his wife do in this town is incredible. Johnny Katz, the entertainment reporter, is going to join me. And my good friend Mike Pritchard, the former wide receiver from Atlanta, Denver, and Seattle. And he's on Visa now. And we're going to have a great NFL conversation. He likes to talk Raiders and wants to talk more. So he's going to kick it off with me at 4 o'clock in the lobby of Virgin. So that should be a good turnout there. Uh, No news on Deshaun Watson yet today. Daniel Snyder, I'll get into that next hour. He was deposed, but he, under his terms, he did 10 to 11 hours, Daniel Snyder, as he had to testify in front of Congress on a Zoom, but he wasn't subpoenaed. So he left himself a little bit of wiggle room. I'm telling you, that is a dirty deal. That If you want to ever see a football deal in NFL history, in history, and the great Mr. Davis sued the NFL and won, this whole deal with the NFL and Daniel Snyder, they have enough evidence to get him out tomorrow. There are enough problems within that organization. And from what I'm hearing, a lot of the owners want him out. But Snyder is lawyered up on his yacht. He's going all around the world, and he's doing it on his terms. And this is a big story. The NFL has so much unfinished business that they've got to take care of. And it doesn't look like Deshaun Watson is going to happen anytime today. If it does, keep it here on Raider Nation Radio, and he'll hear all about it as we get rolling here today. I think camp has been fun. I think it's a game changer going to Canton with the Raiders and the team being there. That's going to be a really big bonding moment for them as they fly into Cleveland. They'll be in Canton. They'll get a private tour of the Hall of Fame. You won't be, you'd be surprised. I think Josh McDaniel said, I believe, that he's never been, right? Because the one time he was going to coach in that game, it was canceled. So this is going to be really important for Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels and Mark Davis and everybody to walk through the Hall of Fame I think a lot of young Raiders know the history of the Raiders because it's plastered all over the facility and the stadium, rightfully so. But once you're walking through the hallways in Canton and you go into that bust room and you see the Raider rings and the history of the Raiders and the Super Bowl, it's special. Maybe the light bulb will go off for multiple players, understanding the role they have. Once a Raider, always a Raider. And a couple of these guys step up and play at a high level like I talked about with Nate Hobbs. So that's the monologue. Open lines for you. Tom Flores coming up, 702-365-9200. We're brought to you by Resorts World. And I love Resorts World. they got a great cigar bar in there called Eight Lounge where you can smoke outside. They have this amazing air filtration machine that takes all the smoke and sucks it out every few minutes. And we love it. We go there. If you're going to a concert, you're going to Doghouse, you're going to any of their great restaurants, if you're going to Zuck the Nightclub, anything you want to do, do it at Resorts World, the multi-billion dollar global property. And every time I send people there, they come back and go, oh my God, this place is amazing. And they didn't even see an eighth of it. It continues to grow. There's more coming. Exciting times for Scott Sabella and his entire team that does a great job. Hey, Kenny Thompson, great sports talk radio host friend member of the raider media who is out there every day how are you ken jt just wanted to talk to you i know you coach flores coming up one of my favorite people and was there of course like you last year but with cliff going in i just want to tell you first off what a great job you are doing summer of cliff great idea couldn't be you know more on point and then your incredible interviews and jt you're just awesome man two decades plus and we just appreciate Thanks, you big time, buddy, whether it's here, no matter where it is, Raider Nation, I know they're out there listening, and I just wanted to commend you on a job well done, and I know you always give credit to everybody else 
but you got to take some credit yourself, my man. You're doing an outstanding job, and I'm just blessed to be uh, connected to you throughout all these years. Well, we've been friends a long time. Ken, give me a takeaway. You're there. You grind it out. You're there asking questions, and you're there on the sidelines at practice every day. Give me one or two nuggets that you're talking about on your show and what you're talking to your listeners about. The depth in the secondary, the leadership, guys like Harmon coming on and, and Averitt and just feeling comfortable that there's enough talent there now in the secondary to hold their own. Because with this offense, JT, I don't think we have to stop anybody. We have to slow teams down. If we do that, we're going to win three-quarters of our games, and I feel good about it. I'm not seeing just through silver and black glasses. I really think that. And the offensive line, yeah, you talk about Colton Miller. I just think the other guys know what's at stake, and I think they're going to ante up, and I think McDaniels will have game plans that will get Derek into open space if need be against some of the good pass rushes like the Chargers. Thanks, Kenny. Good to talk to you. I'll see you out there. Appreciate you, you Ken. Appreciate awesome. you, Ken Thompson. Really a, a gold standard guy in this town for a long period of time and, and really connected to the Raiders. He's going back big, big with his family to Canton, Ohio, in response to Cliff. And a lot of people just come in because they want to pay respects to Cliff, who's not with us, but his family. Good to hear from Ken there. I like what he said. I think they're going to do some things with Derek at the line of scrimmage if the line needs a little bit of work to protect Derek and get the ball out quicker. I don't know about you, but that's all I ever saw when I watched the Patriot game for the last 20 years is how quick the ball came out to someone who was wide open. Brady never threw the ball into coverage because there was someone who was wide open as soon as the ball was snapped. A slot receiver, a wide receiver, a running back on a wheel route, and Brady put the ball right on their hands. Derek can make those same throws. 702-365-9200, Raider Royalty. Tom Flores will be joining us this hour. Looking forward to talking to Coach. Last year, he was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Had to wait way too long. But his grace and dignity at the podium and his speech was incredible. Life-changing. And you know what Coach Flores means to all of us. JT Friday, a big day today. Hope everyone's having fun and stayed out of the rain last night. How about that? another different formation. Barnwell and Branch to the left and Allen was split to the right. And it's Branch for touchdown. Anthony Washington, the defender. That was a quick move he made here. Yes, sir. Watch Plunkett. He sees him right now. He says, I got him. Right over there and throw it in there to Cliff Branch wide open. How great is that? Summer all in Madden. Super Bowl 18. Cliff touchdown. And the coach, who won two Super Bowls as the head coach, another one as an assistant for the Raiders, another one for Kansas City, and he's a Hall of Famer. Tom Flores, kind enough to join us for the summer of Cliff Branch. Coach, first off, hope the summer's going well. How are you doing personally, physically? What can you tell us? Well, I'm still recovering from um, from hip surgery. Uh, It wasn't a real successful version of it, but... uh... But it has stayed its time and getting well, and uh, I'm looking forward to complete recovery. Good. We, we hope the recovery comes around, Coach, and we all yeah. miss seeing you. L- let's start off, because I've had conversations with you before when you first got Cliff, and you were working with him on the side and trying to get him comfortable with catching the ball properly when he had a couple of drops early on, and how you helped build this confidence, Coach. 
Well, I mean, we worked uh, patient, patiently. I made him uh, kind of walk. First, it was a walk, kind of a walk through, then a jog through, then a, then a glide through. And I kept, uh, believe it or not, the thing I had to teach him the most was uh, to slow down. Mm. He was just going too fast. He was trying to go at about uh, top speed and run routes, it, and you can't do that. You can't do that because your your top speed is so much faster than everybody else. So, so little by little, uh, he was able to make the adjustment, and and uh, because of his uh, great ability and hard work, it worked. And coach, what's interesting too at that time is you as a former quarterback at a high level, and then LaMonica and Blanda and Stabler, and then Plunkett. What was interesting there from the back shoulders to Cliff having to come back to get the ball, to get the ball deep to him? If you didn't get it out quickly, maybe you couldn't reach Cliff. You know, Daryl could, but not every quarterback in the league had that type of arm, so that must have made it really unique and call in place for him. Well, yeah, I, I, used, to tell, I, I used to tell Snake, I said, don't wait to see him open Throw anticipate he's going to get behind the guy. He's going to get he's going to get down the field. Oh, there will be separation. So that's what you throw when, uh, when the player is open. Tom Flores is our guest as we count down to Cliff Branch getting inducted uh, a week from Saturday in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So, you know, Coach, one more thing about Cliff and how he was able to win three Super Bowls from the first one, uh, Super Bowl eleven, fifteen, and eighteen. A lot of receivers now can't play that long and be that productive early and then on the back end of their career and still be a vibrant player. With his speed and conditioning, what made Cliff different? Um, I don't know. I guess attitude is one mm-hmm. thing. Uh, he was – he uh, – no one knew what kind of a – what kind of competitor he was or was going to be. Uh, he was, I didn't know how he was going to react when he first got his, his head knocked off. And, mm-hmm. and uh, But he reacted positively. And he used it all. Everything was fun to him. You know, Cliff had a lot of fun. So because of that, um, you know, he was able to overcome a lot of the obstacles that, uh, that some of the young receivers never, never, never get to him. Wrapping it up with Tom Flores, you know, Coach, you had to wait, and we all knew way too long, and you held it up perfectly, and your your induction was beautiful. It was great to be there with your family. Snake wasn't there for his. Cliff isn't there for his, and you were there for yours. Can you take us through what it meant to you and your family after you came off the stage, after you were officially a Hall of Famer, the gold jacket ceremony, and then when you boarded the plane to head home, how did your life change since? Well, it was just a great feeling. It's a great feeling of satisfaction and accomplishment. Uh, uh, and knowing that you had accomplished something that very few have in their in their uh, career to lie to in the, in the world of football, it's not an easy task. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were able to do it, uh, and I did it with with a lot of support. From my my teammates and my family, and uh, he will too. Cliff will too. He's, he, that's that's the way that he made it. Well, of course he's, he's already made it. He just has to go through the steps now. But mm-hmm. but he's he's got you know that that's the unknown. He always says, you always say watch out for the unknowns. 
that's the unknown. Yes. Coach, keep healing. We'll miss you in Canton. We know you'll be there in spirit. You'll be watching. A lot of people thinking of you and miss you and can't wait to see you back in Vegas at a game. So uh, keep doing what you got to do to be there for us because we need you. We love you, and we really appreciate you coming on with us. Thanks, JT. Appreciate it. Say hi to all my, all my friends there at the Vegas headquarters. You got it. There he is, Tom Flores. Very happy that he was kind enough to do that and reach out to me with the Summer of Cliff and come on and do that. You know, it's uh, you know, you, you think of Coach Flores and what he went through physically to get to Canton, and he worked hard so he could stand up out of that wheelchair and stand up at the podium and give that speech, which was really emotional. Tears are flowing everywhere in the Raider section. And he did such a great job. And now as he's trying to get through this hip surgery and some of the complications, and he's really, he's really battling there. So appreciate Coach Flores, and I hope everybody else does. And I think it's a good day to think of Coach Flores and send a prayer and send a note and you know, just get behind him because he really worked hard to get his body, his mind as, as sharp as it's ever been to get to Canton. So he could have that experience and his party with his sons and daughter and grandkids there. It was really special. And his wife, Barb, is super special, too. So we're all thinking of Coach Flores today, the Summer of Cliff. And I couldn't do the Summer of Cliff without Coach Flores. That was, that was the big one along with Freddie, who's coming up on Monday. And everybody else is really big. George Atkinson. Oh, my God. I mean, I haven't stopped talking about George Atkinson coming on yesterday and what George means to us. And... Once a Raider, always a Raider. And right there is Raider royalty, the great Tom Flores. Your comments as we move on at 702-365-9200. 702-365-9200. I threw out Nate Hobbs in the open. Uh, is there a player that you think is going to pop this year to the point where they could play at a Pro Bowl level? Max is a Pro Bowler. Carr's a Pro Bowler. Renfro's a Pro Bowler. Waller. We know Chandler Jones, Max on the edge. But is there another player? Perryman made the Pro Bowl, which was fantastic. He had a great year, and he's got to do it again. Let me make that point clear. Perryman was a great addition. So was Casey Hayward. Casey Hayward's gone. I like Yannick Ngakwe a lot. Chandler Jones is a better player. But Perryman's got to kind of anchor that again and play at a Pro Bowl level. His tackling skills on the run is exceptional. Raiders got to do a good job covering the tight ends and the passing of Travis Kelsey and the other tight ends there in the division. All right, we are brought to you by our good friends at Modelo, the fighting spirit of Modelo, counting down to my bucket of Modelo's, which will be right about at 6 o'clock tonight at Virgin Hotels as we're hosting a podcast in the lobby there. Thanks again to Tom Flores. Hope that made your day just to hear Coach, to hear Coach on the flagship of the Raiders and to think about him. I know it's got to be hurting him that he can't make it to Canton, especially coming off the year that he had getting inducted. But his health and him bouncing back is really important. That's why that interview was important. Thank you, Coach Flores. We know you're listening. He's always texting and he's always involved with the Raiders all over the globe on Raider Nation Radio. Well, he was my mentor. I, when I see Freddie today, uh, I always call him father because he was the one that took me on his wings, tutored me, and, and 
made me the player that I turned out to be because because uh, Freddie was such an artist at running routes. And I, I studied him. I watched him. I was like his shadow. So uh, he was my mentor. And I, I, I owe a lot of credit to Freddie Belenica. Whenever I see him, I, I call him father and he say son and stuff like that. And that's the first thing I see when I see Freddie. I say, hey, father. And he, hey, hi, my son. So uh, all, all my uh, skills uh, as a receiver from concentration to the worst ethics, because Freddie was a guy that that was unbelievable when his work ethic. He was never satisfied. That's Cliff Branch on his relationship with the great Fred Bolitnikoff. Fred Bolitnikoff on Monday as we wrap up the summer of Cliff. It won't wrap up until Sunday after the ceremony, a week from Saturday. But uh, all the guests that we've been getting, all the excitement, and we'll keep it going. Really good programming from our guests. They've been fantastic, and I can't thank them enough. Thanks to the M Resort Spa and Casino. They have a bunch of concerts going on by the pool. They have the Raiders Tavern. And a lot of great restaurants there on the property. Head on out to the official hotel of the Silver and Black, the M Resort. So I talk about the media and the Chargers a lot on this broadcast because I think it's bogus. I think all the the amount of coverage that the Chargers get, a lot of it is self-generated. I think they buy that time. They, They send gifts and stuffed animals and fruit baskets to the media, which is true. True. And they try to get on TV. But now they're really good. Now it's hard. J.C. Jackson, Khalil Mack, Bosa, Herbert, you know, Derwin James reportedly healthy. You know, Keenan Allen, when you look at Mike Williams and the receivers, they don't own the Raiders. The Raiders did a pretty good job against them, especially last year in that final game, as you know. But this year the Chargers are coming. I know it, you know it, and it's going to be critical that the Raiders come out sharp against the Chargers in L.A., Here's their coach, Staley. I call him Boy Blunder on what they're doing. Remember, he goes for it on every fourth down. Last year, it came back to bite him. What are the analytics saying this year? All of those decisions are about feel. All of them are. They're about mindset, and, and then there's the, there's the math. It's, it's also a part of it, but it's, it's more mindset than, than math. I can assure you that, and um, it's the way that we want to play as a team, and I think that um, we're going to try and get better at as we go. Yeah, what he means by that is it's a feel, and his feel last year was to go for it on all these fourth downs, and fourth and long, and sometimes he gets it or not, because I don't think he was that excited about his defense. The strength of the Chargers was Herbert in the offense. Now the Chargers got a, le- got a legitimate defense, so maybe he'll put his defense back on the field and won't go for it on fourth and 18, won't go for it on fourth and nine, won't go for it on fourth and three, he'll punt the ball and hope that the Charger defense can make the plays for him. One more from Staley on the new players that they brought in. They added to that roster. They're clearly better. I think that we have full confidence in our team and how we do things, and I think each of those things has a life of its own. That's what I said from the beginning. I know uh, that kind of exploded last year, and um, I do think it's a positive thing for our team because you know we want to be aggressive. We want to have a team that's fearless and um, that's not scared to meet a moment. But, I mean, every decision has a life of its own, and you're going to take it case by case. And we have a brand-new team. So to say we're going to do it exactly like we did last year, um, that won't be the case. If you've been listening to me for 10 years or 20 minutes, I give credit to where credit's due. I don't like the Chargers at all. It's a rival with the Raiders, and I just don't like the way they're run and the way that they get a free pass from the media. They do. 
let's say the Chargers make the playoffs this year and win a playoff round or two. I'll give them credit. Well, what about all the people last year that were telling you how great they were going to be and they didn't make the playoffs and they got eliminated by the Raiders? That died out quickly. Normally when you do something like that or you lose your last four to the Raiders like Denver did, there's negative energy. And both the Broncos and the Chargers wiped everything clean due to the addition of Russell Wilson in Denver, which is a big one, and clearly the addition of Mack and Jackson in L.A. with the Chargers, and now everybody thinks they're back to being Super Bowl contenders. The Raider Nation and Raider media and Raider fans are the one who see the big picture. I'm telling you the Chargers could be a Super Bowl team this year. I doubt it, but they could be. But Raider fans know that the Raiders beat them, and the Raiders can beat them on a walk-off reception with no time left in L.A., year one of COVID, to what happened last year at Allegiant Stadium. Now, that first game is going to be critical because both teams are going to be fresh. Both teams aren't going to have a lot of experience. Both quarterbacks are probably not going to play a down in the preseason. So who do you have more confidence in coming into week one, Carr or Herbert? I'd rather face Mahomes and Herbert and these guys without any games under their belt. When we got to play Kansas City in week 10, you know, and they're 8-2 and two or 9-1 and one and they're rolling and they're rolling, that's never good. I'd rather face Kansas City week one. That's what happened with the Raiders the last two years at Allegiant Stadium with the openers. Drew Brees in front of an empty house. Raiders beat him. He didn't play well. And then the win last year, Lamar Jackson. Had a tough time getting going at times in that game. But Baltimore was devastated with injuries. And now Baltimore is a little bit healthier. We'll talk more about Kyler Murray also next hour, but the fact that the Cardinals took out that clause of him having to study four hours a week on his own, you could tell that Kyler Murray was pretty pissed off that he had to go to the media and explain why some don't think he studies enough. To think that I can accomplish everything that I've accomplished in my career and not be a student of the game and not not have that passion and not, not take this serious is, is almost it's disrespectful. And it's, it's, almost, it's, it's almost a joke. He made that. He, he wanted to go up there and speak because he felt really disrespected, super disrespected. And it made Kyler Murray have to go through all of his accomplishments since high school to remind the media that this wasn't fair treatment to him. I don't do this often. I don't talk about myself, but today I feel like I have to. And so I'm going to list the accolades, you know, to go 43-0 in high school in Texas, um, go to college, win the Heisman get drafted number one overall to the NFL, get drafted number nine overall to the MLB. Again, no one's ever done it. Offensive Rookie of the Year, two-time Pro Bowler. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not 6'7", 2, 230. I don't throw the ball 85 yards. I'm already behind the eight ball, uh, and I can't, you know, I can't afford to take any shortcuts, no pun intended. You know, those, are, those, those things you can't accomplish if you don't take the game serious, if you don't prepare the right way. This is a really important moment that the player felt disrespected with that clause because it was just tough for him to deal with it. People are doubting him. And why would you pay him that much money to be the face of the franchise and embarrass him? And then I got to give Mike Bidwell credit, the owner, because he took it out. The negative media attention in around Arizona was really rough on Kyler Murray the last couple of days. And Kyler Murray cleaned it up because he had to defend his work ethic is what helped him get to the NFL. I refuse to, to let my work ethic, my preparation be in question. You know, I've put an incomprehensible amount of time and, and blood, sweat, tears, and work into what I do, whether it's football or baseball. People can't even comprehend the amount of time that it takes to, to do two sports at a high level in college, let alone do it, you know, be the first person to do it ever at, at my size. 
I really have a lot more respect. I'm a Kyler Murray fan from his Oklahoma years. I'm a fan of his, but I gained a lot of respect for him. He could have been really pissed off and been quiet for the next couple of weeks. He went in and cleaned it up. He said, get that clause out of my contract. You're embarrassing me. You want me to win? You want me to lead you to a Super Bowl? You don't put that in there. And they took it out. That was a huge topic. That was the biggest topic this week with no Deshaun Watson news and all the other news that is out there. Jerry Jones making a little bit of news. I'll tell you, in Oxnard, the Wolves are at the door. The media is all over Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy doesn't have much room at all. He's got to get off to a good start. He's got to make the playoffs, or Sean Payton's going to take over that team sooner than later. So that's a big story coming out of Oxnard. With the Raiders with the day off, uh, they'll be working this weekend before they travel out to Canton, Ohio next week and are playing in the Canton, Ohio Pro Football Hall of Fame game. Uh, One other note I wanted to make clear that this is what we do on this show. The Raiders lost one of their original players, played 136 games over 10 years with the Raiders. Wayne Hawkins passed away, and he's among a small group of players, along with Jim Otto and Tom Flores, who we just had on. He played all 10 seasons in the AFL. Prayers are with the Hawkins family and the Raider organization. Rest in peace. Hour number two coming up. I got a NASCAR hit as NASCAR is coming to Vegas in October sooner than you think. And we'll go around the league on a Friday, Raider Nation Radio.